share a homily. A homily is a shorter version of a message. I only have a few minutes. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And I want us to look at uh, verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said to Joseph, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said to the prophet. The virgin will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord did. What, excuse me. He, when, when he woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and gave him the name of Jesus. And let's pray together. Lord, I'm asking that you'd help me to share this message and make it applicable to our lives. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I heard about a husband and a wife. There was a husband and a wife. They were arguing. And they finally got to the point where they were giving one another the silent treatment. You guys know what the silent treatment is all about? They weren't talking with one another. And the man had to get up early in the morning and he had to take a flight out uh, to another community. And he, he needed his wife to wake him up. He was a heavy, heavy sleeper. And so he wrote her a note. To continue on in the silent treatment, he wrote a note on the side of her bed and he said, please wake me up at 5 a.m. in the morning. The next morning he got up and it was 8 o'clock. He missed his flight. He was so upset. He went to find out why she did not wake him up at 5 o'clock in the morning. There was a note on his side of the bed. He opened it up. It read, wake up, it's 5 a.m. Wake up. When it, comes, uh, when it comes to the real meaning of Christmas, when it comes to the real meaning of Christmas, I like to shout to the whole world, wake up, wake up. It's not about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and it's not about Santa Claus, and it really isn't especially about gift-giving, although there's nothing wrong with these things. Did you know that in over a year, little uh, less than a year's time, we've had a number of babies born in our church? I've counted over half a dozen babies. There have been baby boys, baby girls, two boys, two girls, over half a dozen babies. And those of you who have babies, you know there's a lot of preparation involved when you have a baby. You get the crib, you get the car seat, you get the books on how to raise little babies, you get all those things, you get the preparation, you paint the room, you do all those things in preparation for that little child because those little babies hold the hopes and the dreams and the love that you have in your heart for that child. Why all this preparation? Why all this time? Why all this energy? Because of a birth of a baby. That little wrinkled red baby represents, again, the hopes and dreams of everyone. 
during this time of the year, why do we sing Christmas songs? Why do we have uh, Christmas plays? Why, uh, why all this preparation? Why do we light the Advent candle? Simply put, it's because we're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. Well, what's so significant about this baby born to a young Jewish girl a couple of thousand years ago by the name of Mary? We find out the significance of his birth, if you want to look with me one more time, in verse 18. Notice, this is how the birth of Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they could come together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, let me set the background here. Mary is pregnant. Mary's pregnant. Joseph is not the father. He has two options because he's betrothed. He's engaged to her to be married. He has two options when he finds out that she's pregnant. Number one, he can reveal it, publicly disgrace her, and have her stoned to death, as was the custom of that day. Or number two, he can marry her and then divorce her and drop her off at an outlying village or town. He has chose the latter option when all of a sudden an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream. He appears to Joseph in a dream. And notice what the angel tells Joseph. Look at verses 20 on. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived as her is from the Holy Spirit. It's going to be a miracle from God. People often say, I don't believe in the virgin birth. Well, if you believe in the Bible, and if you believe in Genesis 1-1, how can you not believe in the virgin birth? If you can get past Genesis 1-1, why can't you believe that the Holy Spirit can conceive in the womb of a little girl? Really, she was a little girl, a teenage girl, by the name of Mary. And notice... She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place, what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Notice two things that the angel said that particular day in this dream to Joseph. First of all, this little baby would be called Jesus. Jesus. In, in Greek, it's the form of Joshua, which means the Lord save. Well, what, what would this little baby save people from? Well, verse 121 tells us that he would save people from their sins. Now, there's always bad news in the Christmas story. The bad news is, is that we're all sinners. We're born in sin. Uh, Billy Graham's a sinner. The Pope's a sinner. You've sinned. I've sinned. We've all sinned. That's the bad news. The bad news is that we're all sinners. And we cannot save ourselves. And moralism can't save us. Uh, um, asceticism can't save us. Humanism can't save us. Uh, all kinds of running through all kinds of hoops, doing all kinds of these things, flagellating ourselves. The bad news is, is that we're sinners and we're hopelessly lost apart from God and apart God from His grace. But the good news is, is that Jesus came to save people. From their sins. He did. And the best illustration that has come across my desk in a number of years is this illustration. Rod Broiling, who's a fellow pastor, 
He writes about growing up in a small community in Minnesota. This was years ago, years and years ago. And his father had died unexpectedly. It was wintertime. They had filled up their fuel tank twice before Christmas. Money was short, and his mother had charged $30 at Ernie's store in credit. Those were the days when you could charge money at the local grocery store. And it bothered her. So she enclosed a $10 bill in an envelope and wrote a note and pinned it to this little boy's jacket, Rod Broiling, when he was a little boy. And she said, Rod, on your way to school, I want you to drop off this envelope to the local grocer. And he did. And the grocer, Ernie, opened it up and read the note and looked at the $10 bill. He said, I want you to drop by after school with the receipt. So the little boy after school dropped by Ernie's and got an envelope. And he brought it to his mother. His mother opened it up and she started crying. She started crying. He said, I remember it so vividly as a little kid. She started crying. Inside the note, inside was the $10 bill and a note and a stack of bills. And it had stamped on it, paid in full. Paid in full. When we think about Jesus and when we think about what he did for us, he emptied himself and he came and he was born as a baby, like all babies are born, God wrapped in the flesh. The angel said, his name will be Jesus, which means he will save people from sin. The second thing that, that the angel said is his name will be called Emmanuel. Notice he said Emmanuel, which means God with us. And this is what theologians say about this particular subject. We can't really figure it out. It's beyond our mind. It's, it's a mystery. But we read in Scripture that when Jesus Christ emptied himself, the divine kenosis, he emptied himself of his div divinity in a sense, and he stepped down to the quarters of time, and he was born as a baby. He became God wrapped in the flesh. God wrapped in the flesh. Imagine that. God wrapped in the flesh. Never before in the history of mankind. You see, God revealed himself in the burning bush. We could catch glimpses of God. God revealed himself on the, his backside on Mount Sinai. But this is the first time that we get in Scripture. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen God the Father. This is the first time that we get a glimpse of God. God wrapped in the flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. And the scripture says that Jesus grew up. You know, he didn't remain a baby the whole time. He grew up. And with his suntan face and his carpenter hands, he set his face toward Jerusalem. He set his face toward the cross. The Bible says he did it out of love for you and he did it out of love for me. And he died on the cross. And he resurrected again. God wrapped in the flesh. He died for your sins and my sins. He made a payment for us. A number of years ago, I shared this last Sunday evening, but a number of years ago, in a nursing home in Scotland, they found a poem in one of the residence rooms that just died. Jesus had a, the unique ability the quality to see what other people could not see. We see this throughout his earthly ministry. It's so easy to miss 
the promise of leadership in a young adult, isn't it? Because all we see is them as a youth, but we don't see their potential. It's so easy to bypass a little child. It's so easy to overlook a senior citizen. But here's the poem they found in the nursing home in this private room years ago in Scotland. This lady left nothing of value, but in going through her very few possessions, the nurses found a poem that she had written. And here's part of it. What do you see, nurses? What do you see? What are you thinking when you're looking at me? A crabby old woman, not very wise, uncertain of habit with faraway eyes. I'm a small child of ten with a mother and father, brothers and sisters who love one another. A bride in her twenties, my heart gives a leap. Remembering the vow I promised to keep. A woman of thirty, my young now grow fast, bound to each other with ties that shall last. At forty my sons have grown and have gone, but my man is still beside me to see I don't mourn. At fifty once more babies play around my knees. Again we know children, my husband and me. I'm an old woman now, and nature is cruel. Tis her jests to make old age look like a fool. The body it crumbles, grace and vigor depart. There's a stone where I once had a heart, but inside this old carcass a young girl still dwells. And now again my battered heart swells. I remember the joys and I remember the pains and I'm loving and living life over again and I think of all the years all too few gone too fast and accept the stark fact that nothing can last. So open your eyes. Open your eyes, nurses. Open and see. Not a crabbed old woman. Look closer. See me. And that's exactly, that's exactly what Jesus did. He saw you, and he saw me, and he saw the condition we are in. And the scripture says he still, he still came down in the form of a baby and grew up and set his face toward Jerusalem, set his face toward the cross out of his utter love for you and me. Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray together.